0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. Come on, do you have a Bible with you? Come on, even if it's glowing, would you wave it in the air like you just do care? That's what I'm talking about. Go with me to Mark chapter 2 tonight. Mark chapter 2. And i want to look at verses 1 through 12. The Gospel according to Mark. We'll start at chapter 2. Yeah, verse 1 through 12. And while you're looking for it, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard me preach? Oh, Lord, that's quite a few of you. Okay, <laughs> quick disclaimer, <laughs> I am a hollerback preacher. Probably don't even have to say that at C3, but I'm just saying over the next six and a half hours that we have together. <laughs> If anything I'm saying, you're feeling, you can say amen, you can say preach that, you can say, "Mm, that was good. Uh, You can stand up in the middle and go, ooh, that was for me. This is my favorite. You can also stand up in the middle and go, ooh, that was for you. For real, you needed that. Any one of those will work. (laughs) Just get responsive. Mark chapter 2, we'll start at verse number 1, and even before I read the scripture, let me just kind of set the tone and the trajectory of where this message is going to go. Because I was reading this passage and I was immediately reminded about this story of a man who called up his doctor one day in a complete panic. He said, Doc, I got to see you now. Doctor said, What's wrong? He said, Doc, everything. Doctor goes, What do you mean, everything? He said, Doc, every place in my body that I touch, I immediately keel over in excruciating pain. Doctor goes, Every place in your body? He said, Yeah. Every place in my body. The doctor goes, okay, touch your knee. Man touched his knee. <laughs> the doctor goes, touch your elbow. Man touched his elbow. <laughs> the doctor goes, touch your hair. Man touched his hair. <laughs> the doctor goes, dummy, you got a dislocated finger. <laughs> Some of y'all get that tomorrow. (laughs) I say that to say, sometimes in life, especially during this holiday season, you can think there's something wrong with everything, when in actuality, there's just something wrong with one thing. And if you could get the one thing in order, how many know that one thing would take care of everything? I'm already preaching in here. I believe that Jesus, hear me, is concerned with getting to the one thing that's affecting everything else. And we see it in Mark chapter 2. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. They were in the lobby like it was a 5 p.m. service. And he preached them. I love that. (laughs) Probably did that about five times tonight. And then it says, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law, also known as the haters, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Can you say amen? amen? I want to title this message today, More Than What I Came For more than what I came for. Come on, let's pray. It's going to be a long prayer, but just bear with me. Would you bow your heads? God, you are awesome. Speak tonight. Amen. More (laughs) than what I came for. A quick little sermonic survey before we delve into this text. How many would say just by a showing of hands that you were raised in church? Can I see your hand if you were raised in church? Oh, Lord, that's almost everybody. Hold up. Keep it lifted. Raised in church? Ooh. I just need to see who needs the counseling. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> hey, I- I'll lift up my hand with you. I'll let you know that I, too, was raised in church. And if you lifted up your hand, then you are fully aware of the fact that the life of a church kid is distinctly different than the life of a regular kid. Oh, come on, somebody. There are trials and tribulations and situations that you encounter as a church kid that other kids aren't even aware of, okay? I know this too well because growing up in our household in Dallas, Texas, we had to be in church. Every day the doors were open, had to be in church. There were no discussions, no debates, no diatribes. We didn't have a democracy. It was a dictatorship, okay? (laughs) Had to be in church. I'll never forget one Sunday, I think I was like 13, and I woke up that Sunday. Feeling kind of bold, kind of gangster, and I said to my father, I said to my father, I said to my Nigerian father, <laughs> I said, "Look, look, I ain't going this Sunday. I don't feel like it." I said that to my Nigerian father, and do you know what my Nigerian father immediately said back to me? He said, "Let me tell you something, boy. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. Huh? You can get out of that bed and go to church, or." I can kill you. And we will go to church and have your funeral. But either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. (laughs) Hey, that's not a joke. That's a true story. (laughs) Y'all are clapping at the abuse I endured as a kid. Like, dinners were different. Dinners were different in our house. Because you could not eat your food. You could not touch your plate without my mama hitting you with one of these questions. What's your favorite scripture? Before you could eat your food, you had to give a scripture before you could touch the plate. see 3 you don't know hunger until your mind is racing through the Bible, just trying to find a scripture so you can eat your food. I remember one dinner being so annoyed with my mama, I looked at her and said, Jesus wept. Give me the chicken. Why are you playing with people's food? This is stupid. But that is, honest to God, that is the environment that I grew up in. And uh, to be honest with you tonight, I am so thankful that's the environment that I grew up in because of what it produced in me. It produced this insatiable desire for the Word of God. Hear me, I am obsessed with the Word of God. It is the hinge upon which my faith has its mobility. The Word of God is the irreducible, substantive essence of what it means to know who Jesus is. It's like Red Bull for my spirit. It's steroids for my faith. To those of you who think that the Bible is some boring, antiquated book that doesn't really relate to your life, you have lost your mind. That is the only book that's still alive. It is the only book that is still breathing. It is the only book that really has power. It is the only book, the only book that was written in antiquity, but yet somehow it can speak to the specificity of your life. It's nothing like God's Word. Other books you can read, but the Bible is different because the Bible will read you. <laughs> it will show you who you are and whose you are. So I love the Word of God. I didn't believe in the maps in the back. That's how crazy I am. But uh, I have a favorite section. We all have our favorites. And I think my favorite section in God's Word are the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I love the Gospels. In fact, I spend so much time studying the Gospels, I feel like they're close personal friends of mine. I call them Matt, Marky, Mark, Uncle Luke, and Little John. (laughs) Love the Gospels because it's in the Gospels we get to see the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. In fact, if you're new to church and you're walking in, you're like, wow, these people are crazy. They are. And you're trying to figure out what all this is, and you're reading the Bible maybe for the first time, Start with the Gospels. Just, just do the Gospel. Just the story of who Jesus is. Read the God. Don't go to Leviticus. My goodness. Just go to the Gospels because the Gospels they pulsate with the personality of Jesus Christ. Here's what I love. I love that these four gospel writers are all talking about the same Jesus, but they do it in totally different ways. Totally different. Almost like four film directors who've been given the same subject to film, but have each been given their own cinematic license to film it. Each one of them give us a different HD, 4K view of who Jesus really is. Ooh, and that's why I'm glad Marky Mark is our director for today because if you like like long, boring documentaries, please read the book of Matthew, okay? Because you know Matthew, he is writing primarily to a Jewish audience. So he starts off with the long and laborious process of letting you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of over 300 Old Testament prophecies. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 1? Get you some espresso when you read it. People, for the first chapter, we are just scripturally inundated with baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy. daddy. That's chapter what? If you like... If if you like sci-fi movies, sci-fi movies, you got to go to the book of Luke because Luke is a doctor. So Luke goes into detail to explain the miracles that Christ did and how his miracles could do what modern medicine could not do. If you like those mushy, gushy, romantic chick flicks and series that some of our husbands are forced and coerced to watch, you got to read the book of John, okay? If you love the movie Dear John, read John because John, he's the disciples always laying his head on the chest of. Jesus, and always cuddling with Jesus, and he's all about love, and he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, but those of you who are like me, like me, and you like movies that have action, where things get blown up, and people get beat up, come with me to the book of Mark, Mark is Jesus Christ in action, Mark is so gangster, he don't even have time for baby Jesus. <laughs> No, for real, read it when you get home. You will not find a manger in the book of Mark. This dude is twisted. He skips Christmas and just goes straight to full-grown Jesus with hair on his chest, smelling like Old Spice. Mark is not playing games with you. Woo! Mark wants to let you know. Mark wants to let you know with clarity and precision that before there was a Russell Crowe and Gladiator, before there was a Mel Gibson and Braveheart, before there was a Denzel, please believe there was a King Jesus. And when he stepped in situations, they had to come under his divine authority because he wasn't just a good man. He was a God man. He was God in flesh with all power in his hand. Somebody just give him some praise if you know how good your God is. Oh, I feel like having church on a Sunday night. Oh, this is what Christmas is, that he is the word made flesh dwelling among us. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus has been traveling and picking up on his frequent walker miles. And uh, he gets to a house, a certain house. Historians believe this was actually Peter's house. The Bible says when Jesus gets to this house, I'm assuming all he does is just sits down to chillax in this house. And within minutes of him getting to this house, all of a sudden, throughout the entire region, people start going, hey, come here, hey, come here. Guess who's in town? Jesus just showed up. You know I can't miss that hair. I know it was him. Yes, Jesus just showed up. Before you know it, people start texting and tweeting and getting on the gram and dropping pin location (laughs) saying, you better get over here. He just got into town. And before you know it, the entire house is jam-packed with people simply because his presence sat down to rest in one house people from different walks of life, people from different backgrounds, all converged in one spot because his presence sat down to rest in one house. Come on, the Bible is clear. It uses picturesque language. It says there's not even room outside the door. This is standing room only because his presence sat down to rest in one place. Come on, what is it about the presence of God coming to rest in a place that causes people to be drawn from everywhere? I'll tell you what it is. People instinctively know if you can ever get God's presence, just to rest in a place. How many of you know? Something life-changing, something supernatural, something miraculous will happen if His presence shows up. Oh, you don't believe me, why are you here tonight? Hello. You know you could be at the house right now. You do know that, right? You could be having dinner right now. You could be watching Netflix right now or Dateline. Why in the world would you come in here on your only day off, put on your good shirt, all that Mary Kay and Mac makeup, just to come into the house of God? You didn't come to hear the worship team as awesome as they are. You didn't come to hear me preach. I think I know why you came tonight. You came because you knew God's presence would be resting in this place. And when his presence shows up, Oh, something is going to happen. Somebody just praise him like you want his presence just to come and sit down. Oh, he inhabits the praises of his people. His presence, that's why I'm here tonight. I didn't come to see your shoes. I came because God's presence would be here. Oh, I love it. I love it because he hadn't even done anything yet. I hadn't even done anything, but just his presence being in that house that day caused an atmosphere of expectation to be in the room. Oh, I can use my exegetical imagination. I can see them in this house. I can see the sick in the house going, if he touches me, I know I'm going to be made whole. I can see it. My wife and I, we got three little humans, so I can even see practical things, like a mama with a little kid, not even paying attention, just on his eye patches. he's like, Boy, pay attention. Jesus is in the house. See, that's why you get in trouble at school. Because you don't listen to anybody. Listen to Jesus. He's going to change your life. I can see. I can even see some ladies in the house. Some ladies in the house. Because how many know Jesus was single and in the ministry? Hello. (laughs) So I can see some ladies in the back talking about, girl, Yeshua is fine. Mm -hmm. Girl, I heard last week at a wedding he turned water into wine. Yes, he did. Don't let him ask me out. I'm ordering water. I mean, I can see it. I can see it. All these people packed in this house, and they're all waiting with tiptoe anticipation, perhaps to see what Jesus was going to do, because everybody loves a show. They should have been waiting to hear what he was going to say. The Bible says that all Jesus does in this house is he stands up. He clears his holy throat. The Bible says that Jesus preached the word to them. So all he did is he preached the word. That might not get you excited, but that gets me excited because I love to hear people preach the word of God. You understand, something powerful happens whenever you come into the house of God and you hear the word of God being declared over your life. Martin Luther said, when the word is preached... That's when God speaks. There's something about being a part of a church, and you ought to thank God you're a part of a church that has a pastor that would declare the word of God. Oh, please don't be naive to think that just because somebody's standing behind the pulpit that they're preaching the word. Oh, because we live in a day and age where people are preaching cute stories, where they're preaching pop psychology, and, and they wonder why there's no transformation in the people that they're preaching to. Because the only thing that can transform your soul is the infallible, incorruptible, everlasting, unchanging, immutable Word of God. Oh, that's the only thing that has power. I love to hear people preach the Word. I don't even care your style of how you preach it. I know some people get caught up on their style of preacher. Why is he shouting so much? I don't, even get, I don't even get caught up on style. As long as you're preaching the word, I am with you. I like calm preachers that preach the word, and they just stay in one spot and smile a lot and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I like calm preachers that preach the word. I like preachers that get real excited when they're preaching the word. Got a Hammond B3 organ behind them. Sound like they're having an asthma attack between each word. Come on, you know those preachers that are preaching and singing, and they're more like This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. If it says I'm the head, I'm the head. If it says I'm above, I'm above. I'm so glad that God, I mean, I like those preachers. (laughs) You know, I preach like that at some churches, but I want to scare some of y'all here in San Diego. I love to hear people preach the word, but how many you know, in my text today, this is no ordinary preacher. This is Jesus. This is the greatest preacher to ever preach. Do you know why I preach like I had six Red Bull this morning? Because I had six Red Bull this morning. <laughs> but you know why I preach with so much passion, and, and no matter how I feel, I give it everything I got, is because I know when I get to heaven, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Come on, we don't want to hear any preachers when we get to heaven. Put your little podcast to the side. The only one we want to hear in heaven, come on, somebody, is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the only one we want to hear from. That means I got to get all my preaching out now. (laughs) You understand, (laughs) like, when I preach, or Pastor John preaches, Pastor Juergen preaches, we just have a word. Jesus is the Word. He was the Word made flesh. Some of y'all missed that. That means if Jesus really wanted to preach a good message, it's all he had to say. And he still would have been preaching. It's the Word made flesh. So, what would it have been like to have been in that room that day? Packed house, people in the lobby. listening to the living word preaching the written word and there they are trying to pay attention to jesus sermonic dissertation but i love this passage especially as a preacher and a communicator and a pontificator of the gospel because this lets me know that even the greatest communicator jesus faced distractions in an audience because they're all trying to pay attention to jesus sermon they really are but in the middle of it they go Is somebody on the roof? <laughs> Try to pay attention. But before you know it, debris starts falling down in the middle of this house, and a hole starts appearing in the roof. And a few hands and a few heads <laughs> appear in the hole as it gets bigger and bigger. And a ray of sunlight comes through the room. Now, understand historians believe this is Peter's house. Yeah. Ooh, they put in a hole. In Peter's roof. Some of y'all new to church, you don't know the disciple. If there's any disciple you don't want to put a hole in his roof, it's Peter, okay? Put a hole in the disciple John's roof, the one that's always cuddling with Jesus. Because he'll just look up and go, Ah, oh, now I can see the stars. But my God has made for me. Not Peter, okay? Peter's like some of y'all. Peter's like some of y'all. You love Jesus with all of your heart, but don't let somebody cut you off on the highway, okay? Peter was working on some stuff. Peter would cuss you out. Peter would cut you real quick. Peter! I'm telling you, so I can see that hole getting bigger and bigger. And Peter's like, what the? And Jesus is like, watch your mouth, Peter. <laughs> Calm down, okay? I'm the son of God. I'll make you a new roof. It'll be all right. And all of a sudden, they start lowering this guy. Can you see it? Down. All the way at the feet of Jesus. And the silence hits the room. The Bible doesn't tell us the man's name. Doesn't even tell us when his paralysis occurred. All the Bible tells us is that he is a paralytic man. Why is that important? It's important because if you study the Gospels, one of the literary nuances you will find is that anytime Jesus interacts with a person, rarely do we get their name. More often than not, we just get their gender and their condition. You ever notice this? There was a man with a withered hand. What was his name? There was a woman with an issue of blood. What was sister girl's name? There was a man who was blind. There was a man who was deaf. We just get their gender and their condition. And do you know what it speaks to? I think it speaks to the human tendency to identify people by their issues. Yeah, we do the same thing today. People love to identify other people by the issue that they have. We love to define people by dysfunctions. We love to put people in categories and say, that's a bad person. You remember what they did. How many know humans are the only people that will call you something for 15 years that you did one time in your past in five minutes, and they'll think the sum total of your life is some mistake that you made. But I got some good news from heaven for somebody in here today. How many are thankful that if you are in Christ, guess what? You're a brand-new creature. Your past is washed away. I don't have to be defined by my dysfunction. My issue is never my identity. When Jesus looks at me, he doesn't see my faults. He doesn't see my mistakes. He doesn't see where I messed up. He just sees the blood of Jesus and said that's already been paid for. Come on, somebody ought to give God some praise for that right there. Hallelujah! Some of you keep beating yourself up over something Jesus already paid the price for, and you are identifying yourself with your issue. Or maybe you got people in your life that keep bringing up your mistakes and keep bringing up your past, and you need to look at them and say, you know what? You know a whole lot about my history, but you don't know anything about my destiny. God's got greater in front of me than the mistakes of my past. Just called him a paralytic man, and there he is in the presence of God, but he's still got his paralysis. He made it to God's presence, but he still got his paralysis. I know you can't say anything because this church ain't got to act real spiritual like you floated in here and had communion for lunch, <laughs> but if, if we could be real tonight, sometimes hard for church people to do, I think you'd be shocked at the person sitting right next to you, lifting up their hands, singing all the songs but if they're honest about their current spiritual condition, paralysis. I'm talking about the thing that affects your walk with the Lord. I'm talking about the thing that maybe you cried to God in a secret place and said, God, if I didn't have this, my walk with you would be a whole lot better. And maybe you feel like this man today, you feel stuck, you feel like giving up, you feel like throwing in the towel, but God sent this crazy, shouting, sweating chocolate brother from Dallas, Texas... (laughs) To tell you, you can't give up. You can't. God has a unique way of putting you at the right place at the right time to hear the right word so you can get up and walk and everything that He has for you. Thank God for these four friends almost preach just on them, these four unnamed friends. How many know the success in your life will be contingent upon the circle that is around you? I love these four friends. I'm just at a season in my life where I want tear the roof off friends in my life. Yes, I don't want people to see me on the ground and say, the ground is not that bad. In fact, Target got some mats on sale. Let me go get you. No! Give me a tear the roof off friends who won't let me stay in mediocrity or be average or settle for less than what God has for me. I I want some friends that'll say, I don't know what to do about that situation, but I'll do whatever it takes to get you into the presence of the one that can. I will tear the roof off. God's going to meet with you today. You got a purpose on your life. You got a call on your life. You can't stay right here. They tore the roof off. You know how hard it is to carry somebody up a roof? Just lifting them going, man, you still eating carbs? My goodness, just... Lifted them all up and tore the roof off. And no wonder Jesus responded to their faith. Yeah. Oh, don't miss that in the text. Yeah. Their faith, yeah. not just the faith of the man, but the faith of the four friends who said, I'll do whatever it takes for him to get a breakthrough. Yeah. Wow. He tore the roof off. And how many know if you preach in a sermon and somebody comes through the roof in the middle of that sermon, shut the sermon down, bring the keys out, you have lost the room. <laughs> and I can see the crowd, the crowd shocked that somebody's just come through a roof, but the crowd is also excited. Because come on, this is what they paid their ticket to see. You know, it's already been rumored throughout the region that Jesus has supernatural transcendent power. So as soon as the dude hits the floor, I can see the crowd going, oh, it's about to go down. Well, I'm telling y'all, Jesus got power, he's got real power. I don't know if he's gonna take mud and rub it on his legs. I don't know what he's gonna do, but it's gonna be good. You better get your camera, put this on YouTube. <laughs> And the man, the man who had to be embarrassed, I mean, think about it, to be lowered into the presence of all of these strangers, all of a sudden, his embarrassment is eradicated with a feeling of elation and hope. Because he knows for the first time in his life, he's going to be able to stand on his own two feet. For the first time in his life, he's going to be able to feel the sand between his toes. For the first time in his life, when he's at a wedding, and they do the cha-cha slide, and it says one hop this time, he's going to be able to do it? (laughs) And while the crowd, while the crowd is waiting to shout at the miracle, and while the man is thinking about what dance he's about to do when he gets up, Jesus, please don't miss this, who has the power to heal him, the first thing he says, the first thing he says to him is, Son, your sins are forgiven. What? <laughs> okay, all you spiritual people in the room, you identified yourself, because as soon as I said that, you probably thought, mm, hallelujah, <laughs> glory to God. Yes, sin, that's always the problem, isn't it? <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how you read the Bible. Here's how I read the Bible, okay? When I read the Bible, I jump in the page of the Bible. I imagine what it would be like to be that particular individual. And that lets me know that I probably would have got kicked out of the Bible right around Genesis chapter 1, because... <laughs> Because whenever I am annoyed, pray for me, whenever I'm annoyed, I have the tendency to be a little bit sarcastic, a little bit sardonic. I'm still in process. So if that's me, if that's me, and I've just been carried through a crowd up the side of a house, a scene has been made, a hole has been cut, construction has happened for me to get into the presence of a man that everybody's saying is going to heal me, and everybody's saying is going to make me walk again, and the first thing, the first First thing he says is not get up and walk, is son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going, oh I appreciate it, Jesus. You know, that's why we came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, that's the real obvious apparent issue, to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, I don't need these legs. I don't want to walk. I came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Hey, guys, sins forgiven. Mission accomplished. Let's go home. What is Jesus talking about? People, you got to read your Bible. It is funny stuff in your Bible. Jesus seems to be the only ignoramus in the room. Who don't realize this man did not come to get his sins forgiven. Hello, he wants to do a moonwalk. Ooh, what do you do when Jesus does not address the thing in your life that you thought he should have addressed? What do you do? when the need for him to fix is blatantly obvious to you. (laughs) But he seems to bypass the issue, what do you do? God seems to be acting ignorant to your situation. I submit to you, that's when you actually need to lean in closer. Because this man didn't even realize, just like you and I don't realize, that he was actually in the exact place, posture, and position that God often reveals himself to us. Hear me, C3 Church. There is a place in life that is annoying, that is frustrating, and yet it is the place that God often reveals himself to us. And that place is this. Whenever your experience is not lining up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he is. I'm gonna say that again. Whenever your experience is not lining up with your expectation, God is often trying to give you a revelation of who he is. Because rarely is Jesus recognized in our lives. He's more often revealed. And he'll reveal himself at the place where our experiences are not lining up with our expectations. Come on, anybody ever been there before <laughs> where well, your experience didn't line up with your expectation, and in the moment you didn't see it, but now in hindsight you look back and say, who? It was good that I went through that. It was good that that prayer I wanted answered that way got answered this way. It was good that that door got shut. It was good that I didn't get that job. I wouldn't have my business now. It is good that they said no when I asked them out on a date. I see where they are now. Thank you, Jesus, for blocking that door. Sometimes when your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, the whole thing is just a setup for God to reveal something to you. Oh, are y'all bored yet? Can I go deeper in this? Because I could take you deeper because the Bible, hear me, is full of examples where people's experience didn't line up with their expectation, but the whole thing was a setup for God to reveal Himself to them. C- can I give you my favorite one? You remember John chapter 11? John chapter 11, we're introduced to a family. Remember Mary and Martha? Remember their brother Lazarus just out of the blue gets sick, just starts coughing? <laughs> think I got the black lung. And uh, <laughs> they don't trip at first. They don't trip at first because it's not that bad. All of a sudden, it gets worse and worse to the point Lazarus can't even get out of the bed anymore. And in my mind, my imagination, Martha, she's kind of keeping it poised. She's together. But Mary is having a panic attack. She's freaking all the way out. She's like, ah! I'm just like, girl, stop that crying, okay? Stop that crying. Let me ask you something. When Jesus comes into town, whose house does he stay at? Oh, well, he stays at our house. Girl, that means this whole house is covered in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Don't stress. As a matter of fact, give my cell phone. Give my cell phone. Come on, y'all know this Bible story. Takes her cell phone, sends a text message to Jesus. Says, hey, Jesus, the one you love. Doesn't even say Lazarus' name. He knows who I'm talking about. The one you love is sick you jesus do what you do send jesus don't play just yet jesus is on the other side of town he's on the other side of town preaching the gospel as he's preaching the gospel cell phone text message noise goes off ding ding just like what i tell you about cell phones while i'm preaching The disciples like, Jesus, that's your phone. He's like, oh, my bad. Pulls out his cell phone, sees the text message from Martha. He immediately responds. He says, do not worry. This cyclone, this sickness, (laughs) predictive text will jack you up. This sickness will not end in death. Sends it back to Martha. Martha gets the text. Oh, girl, look who just texted me. Jesus. Look at what he said. He said this sickness will not end in death. I told you he's an on time God. Yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, they start having church off of a text message. Oh, but watch this. Right after they finished dancing, Lazarus died. And Jesus had the nerve and the audacity to not come to the funeral. He didn't come to the graveside service when they're having the prayer. He didn't even come to the house when they're eating chicken casserole. Mm-hmm. He comes into town four days late. Cool, calm, and collected. Talking about, how y'all doing? Y'all good? Y'all good? Y'all good? <laughs> Mary and Martha were like, no, he didn't. Oh, read it. John chapter 11. Read it when you get home. They were so mad. They said, Jesus! You would have been here. Our brother wouldn't have died. There's a method to my madness. Their experience didn't line up with their expectation. They were expecting him to come as soon as they sent word that he was sick, but Jesus didn't. He waited till Lazarus got worse, and not just worse, till he was dead, and not just dead, four days dead. That's dead. <laughs> right when their experience didn't line up with their expectation, just like some of you at that place right now. He said, show me where you laid him down. Goes to the graveyard. Now you can play make it sound real spiritual. <laughs> Goes to the graveyard and preaches a three-point sermon and says, Lazarus, come forth, and they Dead man comes out of the grave. And thank God it was a three-point sermon. Because you know his word is so powerful and potent. If he would have just gone to that grave and said, come forth, every dead person in there would have been like, hold on, he's talking about me. And it would have been a thriller video. So I want to thank God that he can get the right word to the right person at the right time. Come on, he sees exactly where you are. Don't you ever put a period where God wants to put a comma. It is not over until he says it's over. Can you see Mary and Martha? Can you see them taking the grave clothes off of their brother who was dead? <gasps> I'm girl, Jesus off the chain. Who oh God you think? <laughs> see, I thought he only had power to heal people when they were sick. I didn't know he had power to raise people from the dead. And we would have never known resurrection power was in him until our experience didn't line up with our expectation. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? I'm saying that that situation you've been complaining about, you could flip the script and just start praising God for it because he is revealing himself to you in the middle of it. Sometimes it's not until you get the bad doctor's report that he'll reveal that he really is a healer. Sometimes it's not until that person you thought you could trust stabs you in the back, that he reveals that he's never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. Sometimes it's not until your money is funny and your change is strange. You got more bills than you got income and you don't know where your kids' next pair of shoes are coming from, that he revealed to you that your giving is not in vain, that you got to keep being generous, keep sowing. He hears every prayer i'm telling you he is revealing himself to you what's he revealing to this man well look at what he says he says son your sins are forgiven only the savior of the world can say that but in that moment that man had to be thinking jesus hello my legs oh why did i come to you sins forgiven you don't even know what my problem is and jesus going no You don't know what your problem is. Ah! (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) You got a dislocated finger. You think your legs are the big issue in your life, and they're not. It's not. Your legs are just the fruit of the issue. Sin is the root of the issue. And I cannot deal with the fruit of an issue until I go deeper and deal with the root of an issue. Because if I deal with the fruit and not the root, we'll have a perpetual cycle of dysfunction. Sin is the root. Not to say that this man personally sinned to bring the paralysis on his body. Oh, that would be an erroneous theology and not congruent with the character of Christ. But more so to say that the reason you're paralyzed in the first place it's because of a decision that Adam and Eve made in the garden a long time ago I never created paralysis but when sin entered the world paralysis came he said but I first got to deal with the disease of your heart before I deal with the disease in your body I first got to deal with the ailment in your heart before your body because what good is it for me to heal your legs if your heart has not been healed that means please don't miss this Jesus could have said your sins are forgiven and then walked out the room and just left him there on the floor how many know he still did a miracle he still did a miracle because you are better off being paralyzed and forgiven than to be walking in sin but you ought know, thank God he can do both. He don't want you paralyzed with a promise, and he don't want you walking in sin. How I many you know he wants you walking worthy of the call that is on your life, stepping into every single thing that he has for you? This is what our God does. Oh, so he says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He looked at that man and says, I tell you, get up. Somebody say get up. Oh, say it like you got some power. Say get up you got some authority. Say get up. Oh, I love that Jesus just told this man to get up. He didn't say, I'm going to help you up. He didn't say, I'm going to do a six-week series on how you can get up. He said, no, not for this miracle. I'm just giving you a word and you're going to have to activate your faith and respond to the word that you heard and do something you've never done before to receive something you've never received. Come on, somebody came to get that word tonight. Get up. God is calling you to a new level. Get up. God is taking you to a new level next year. Get up. Somebody shout, get up. Get up. Get up from worry. Get up from anxiety. Get up from depression. Get up from the pain of your past. Get up from low self-esteem. Somebody with faith, just shout, get up. I imagine the whole place erupted giving God praise even in the lobby (laughs) and I love Jesus because he's not just powerful he's practical because if it was me I would have ended the miracle like get up drop the mic (laughs) and walked out but not Jesus he says get up and in the middle of the excitement of him getting up and that could only happen by the power of his word he gives him another commandment right after When I read it, it made me laugh out loud. He goes, get up, yeah. Oh, and pick up your mat. (laughs) That man had to be, oh no, I'm good, I'm good. You know how long I've been on that mat? No, 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 you're not good. Pick your mat up. (laughs) Man had to be thinking, why I gotta carry this mat around? I think it's because Jesus didn't want him to ever forget that he used to be down on the ground. Oh, I've seen it in church. Sometimes when God raises you up and you've been walking with God for a while, if you're not careful, you'll get it twisted and get anointed amnesia and forget where you should have been and where you could have been if it had not been for God in your life. But your mat is a constant reminder of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness. Come on, your mat is your testimony. Anybody in here? will remind you of God's faithfulness in your life. Your mat is what keeps you reaching out to other people who are down. That's why you can never turn up your nose at somebody else. The church ought to be the most welcoming place because all of us got a mat. We know where we could have been if God had picked us up. Oh, I got to hurry. Take your mat. Last thing he tells them is go home. Some of y'all are like, can we go home? I'm landing. For real. Says, go home. And I can see this guy walking to his house for the very first time, carrying his man. That's how you walk when you just got your legs. I can see him knocking on the door of his house. I can see maybe his kids coming to the front door, going, Dad, Dad, you're dad, you're standing. Mom, come see. Dad's homie, he's standing. And mom's like, quit making up those stories. You're always making up stories. No, mom, come see to the front door, perhaps sees her husband standing there for the first time. I imagine tears fill her eyes. And just maybe in that moment, he looks at her and says, sweetheart, you can't even see the real man real miracle is not just that my legs have been healed and I'm thankful for that. The real miracle is that my sins have been washed away. He dealt with something nobody else could deal with. My legs are just proof positive that he did healing on the inside. I got so much more than what I came for. I thought I was just coming for my legs, but he exceeded my expectations and he You came for. His legs were just proved positive that healing had taken place on the inside. The same Savior that did it for that man is willing and able to do it for you in this place tonight. I'm going to ask in this moment, all heads be bowed, all eyes closed. Father, thank you for your presence that I sense here even right now. God, I pray for my brother, I pray for my sister who are at the place where they're experiencing. It's not lining up with their expectation. And the enemy would love for them to give up and walk away. God, I thank you that it is at the place where our experience does not line up with our expectation that you reveal yourself to us. Father, would you give us the strength to lean in close and to hold on to you even when we're experiencing what we weren't expecting. Father, I pray tonight we would have the courage to let you get to the root of the issue in our life and that you would do a deep work so that we would be healed from the inside out. Heads are bowed, How's it closing in this moment, but if you're in here today and you'd be so honest to say, you know what, there is something or some things at the root of the issue that i am not surrendered to Jesus, but tonight, tonight, I'm just gonna give it to him. I don't know what it is. I do believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people right now. For somebody, the thing that's at the root of the issue is unforgiveness. It's bitterness you've been holding towards somebody else. And it's not keeping them paralyzed. It's keeping you paralyzed. God says today, would you just give me that so you can get up and walk in all that I have for you? That's you tonight. You know what that thing is. Would you just lift up your hand as a sign to say, Lord, today I give it to you. I give it to you. Yeah hands are going up all over this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can lift it up and put it right back down. Father, thank you. Thank you. Father, thank you that you get to the root of the issue so that we can be healed. Anybody else? Heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. If you're here tonight and you've never taken that first step or to say, Jesus, my life is yours. Some of you just need to give your life to him tonight tonight, or maybe you've been walking with them for a while and you walked away because you weren't expecting, life hit you with some stuff that you weren't expecting, and you walked away and your heart's gotten cold, and tonight, even right now, God is calling you, come back, come back. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.